you know, in our Bible class this morning, we were, um, back one, there you go, uh, we were studying out of uh, Luke, the fifth chapter, and the calling of Levi, uh, who is Matthew, one of the apostles of Christ, and a tax collector. And I just, the thought just occurred to me as Don was reading that passage, did Jesus see Levi at the temple? Was that Levi that he saw at the temple and knew Levi's heart and knew to call him uh, because he saw that heart? We don't know, but it's just something to think about. One thing I want to mention before we uh, jump right on into the sermon is that uh, today, if you uh, get a chance, and she's awake because she's a little worn out, but today is the last Sunday you're going to get to see Michaela Kelly for a while. Is that right? Next Sunday is. Well, you've got two Sundays. Um, and then she is going to be a busy gal. She's off to uh, her uh, uh, a vacation and then right into her, her schoolie or college and then co-op. So um, just uh, give her that extra girl. Um, we're proud of you. Uh, we're proud of Emily. We're proud of all of those that um, we see coming through and uh, that what they make with their lives. So just continue to uh, be prayerful in all of that. As we move on in our series, uh, we can see we've already covered a lot. Uh, we've talked about God can use a wild man, God can use a gentle man, God can use a sportsman. Uh, and today we are going to look at how God can use a humble man. Helen Rosevere was a missionary in Africa, a medical missionary. And uh, she was the only doctor in a large hospital. And there were constant interruptions uh, in the work, shortages that she had to deal with. And she was becoming increasingly impatient and irritable with everyone around her. Finally, one of the African evangelists approached her and he said, Helen, please come with me. And he drove Helen to his humble house and he told her that she was going to have a retreat. Two days of silence and solitude. She was to pray until her attitude adjusted. All that night and the next day she struggled, she prayed, but it seemed like her prayers were just hitting the ceiling and bouncing right back down again. So late on Sunday night, she sat beside her host around a little campfire and humbly and almost desperately, she confessed to him that she was stuck. So with his bare toe, he drew a straight, long line in the dusty ground. That is the problem, Helen. There is too much I in your service. He gave her a suggestion. I've noticed that quite often, when you have a coffee break, you hold that cup of coffee in your hands, waiting for it to cool. He said, as you're doing that, and then he drew another line in the dirt. He said, Helen, from now on, as the coffee cools, ask God, Lord, cross out the eye and make me more like you. So where, there in the dust where originally an eye was, now was a cross. He was telling her, you have to empty yourself of yourself and be like Jesus. Learn the principle that Jesus taught that freedom comes through service and service comes 
from releasing our egos, letting them go. You know, in Mark 8, 34, Jesus called the crowds to him, and he, he begins to teach them, and he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Church, Jesus calls us today. He calls all of us to sacrifice our egos, to cross out the I, so that he can work through us. Men, this is especially true for us, and women, I know you have problems with your egos too. They're just different problems. We all have them. But we have to humble ourselves. And speaking as a man, I know, men, that we can have a problem with our egos. The writer by the name of Frederico Matthews Green once wrote, uh, Ego builds a cardboard fortress that humility must every day tear down. I like that image of a cardboard fortress. It's not really, you know, sometimes you can, uh, in BBS, we make these sets. You know, they look really nice, but you know what they're made out of? Cardboard. <laughs> um, you know, on the last night of the BBS, they're gone because uh, there's really nothing to them. And that's what our egos really are. There's nothing to them. But we think it's everything. And we have to get over ourselves so that we can really be used by God. Back in 1984, uh, from August through August of 85, I was blessed to serve as a uh, mission ministry intern with the Church of Christ in Heidelberg, Germany. I worked with both the uh, German Gemeinde and the American Church. And uh, they, they shared the building there and, and worked well together. And, and it was, a, it was a, a good year. It wasn't an easy year. I'll tell you that on a personal basis. It wasn't an easy year, but it was a good year. In particular, it got off to a rough start with the American congregation due to different ideas about what I was supposed to be doing. And it got a little rough. It got better, and I'm glad it did. But at some point during that year, and I don't remember exactly when, I was invited by the minister of a Church of Christ over in Kaiserslautern, uh, some of you that may have had some military background over in Europe, you know it as K-Town, um, and a big Air Force base there. And he invited me over for the day, so I got the train and, and took the train over to, to there from Heidelberg, went to his house, and we enjoyed burgers, um, sitting in his backyard, just talking. And I, I think I must have been complaining about the church or about some particular member uh, when I took a breath, and he interrupted real quickly. And he goes, humility, Roger. Remember that. If you will keep humble, you'll do well in ministry. You know, I often thank God for that, brother. I cannot tell you his name. I don't know it. God does, and he's going to get a reward for that because I needed that lesson. I needed to be reminded that it is when I am humble and his spirit backed up the words that he said. I could see it in his life, in his wife's life, the way that they lived before God. And the Bible has a lot to say about humility, brothers and sisters, if we have ears to hear. From cover to cover, either through example or through direct teaching, humility is the attitude that we are to adopt if we're going to walk that straight and narrow path that God has laid out for us. 
want you to kind of follow along with me as I stroll through a sampling of the passages that talk about Scripture. One of the first ones is Isaiah 66, verse 2. Oh, by the way, that's Heidelberg. Isn't that beautiful? I think God took me out of Heidelberg to humble me again. Uh, (laughs) It was a beautiful place to live. Um, But there in Isaiah 66, verse 2, he says, These are the ones I look on with favor, those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. That's the attitude that he's looking for. How about Luke 14? 7 through 11, I'm going to be reading. Um, When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor. For a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to the better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. In Luke 18, 19 through 14, we have the story that was read during our scripture reading. But did you notice something? A line is repeated verbatim. Jesus is talking about the importance of humility using two different illustrations. When a teacher repeats himself, listen. That's an important point. And our Lord repeated himself, that makes it even more important that we understand how important it is. Paul in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verses 1 through 3, writes, As a prisoner of the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. James 1, 9 through 10. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. But the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wildflower. Our days are numbered. These things that we take pride in are going to be gone. You know, our brother Carl Ogans is waiting, waiting for this life to end, to transition to eternity. My dad down in Texas is waiting. Uh, We're all really waiting. We don't know when that day will be. We could walk out this door and, God forbid, be in a car accident. We could be in Miami and happen to have been wherever that took place, and begun down. We don't know what we have, time-wise. So what we hold on to needs to be something that we can hold on to, not just in this life, but through eternity. Those things are in the Lord, not in this world. Let's look at James, the fourth chapter, verses 6 through 10. But he gives us more grace 
That is why scripture says God opposes, opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter into mourning, your joy into gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord. He will lift you up. Also in Peter, the fifth chapter, verses 4 through 6, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the, opposes the proud but fa shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. You know, it's interesting to note some of the men that God approves of in Scripture. There's Jesus himself. Paul tells us in Philippians 2 that Jesus emptied himself of his deity, of his godness, to become flesh. And in this flesh, he was obedient even to death on a cross. Now, we might say that using Jesus as an example is not exactly fair. You say, well, you know, he was God himself. Yet we're told in Scripture that he was fully human and tempted in every way just as you and I are. But I'll give you that. But I'll also remind you that he is our example and our guide and our source for righteousness in this life. Okay, how about King David? King David was a man after God's own heart, right? That's what we're told. But did his pride ever get control of him? Oh, yeah. He saw Bathsheba, and he lusted after her, and went for it, and to cover up the pregnancy that resulted, he had her husband killed on the battlefield. Terrible, terrible what pride can do to us when we allow it to take over. And we see that in David's life. But you know, it's interesting. He was called a man after God's own heart because even though he struggled with his ego and his pride, just as we do. He ultimately won that struggle because he always submitted to God. Remember when Nathan the prophet comes to him and confronts him? He repents. And with a contrite heart you, you, that you see spilled out all over the Psalms as he's writing his, just his sorrow for what he has done. The Lord values our humility over even our perfect example. We can never be perfect. How about Moses? Saved by God through the working of righteous midwives and parents, uh, Moses ends up being raised as the son of Pharaoh's daughter in the household of the king of Egypt himself. All the privilege, the education, the power, the authority of Egypt was at his fingertips. Yet, he turned his back on all of that when he finally saw how poorly God's people, his people, were being treated. But I think Moses must have had a particularly strong ego. 
For God left him in the wilderness tending sheep for 40 years before he called him back into service to lead his people Israel out of captivity. But it worked. For we read in Numbers, the 12th chapter, verse 3, that Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. What caused this change of heart? Well, I think a burning bush might have helped. <laughs> um, you know, uh, but even there, he resisted, didn't he? He started making excuses. How about that face-to-face -face he had on Mount Sinai with God? That must have made an impression. Yet, it was after that that he lost his cool and let his pride grab hold, and instead of following in God's instructions to bring forth water, he struck that rock. And guess what? That cost him the ability to physically walk into the promised land. But God is merciful. And he gives him a vision of the land that he himself buries Moses at the end of his days. And on the Mount of Transfiguration that we read about in the Gospels, it's Moses who stands with Jesus and Elijah. God will lift us up if we will humble ourselves. Jesus himself was raised from the tomb and ascended to the right hand of the throne of God with all power and authority in heaven and on earth having been given to him. Truly, those who humble themselves under the mighty hand of God will in time be lifted up. But the question for us today, men and women, is will we choose the right? Will we choose ourselves or will we choose the Lord? In the December 2000 issue of GQ, don't worry, I don't read this. I, I read this somewhere else. <laughs> I just had to say that, you know. I'm not that kind of guy. Um, I've never been interested in looking sharp. Anyway. But there's two really interesting worldviews that are represented in this, in this issue. Two paths that we can choose to take in life. And by the way, I'm not, also not criticizing people that read GQ. I'm just not into that. But the first quote is by the actor uh, Matthew McConaughey. He was named that year GQ's Man of the Year. And he argues in this article that he's in, he says, I'm a, I'm a fan of the word selfish, selfish. When I say I have gotten a lot more selfish, I mean I am less concerned with what people think of me. Selfish has gotten a bad rap. You should do for you. Now later in the, in the magazine, there's another article for GQ's winner of the uh, award called Life Coach of the Year. This man was, was, goes by the name John, uh, George Saunders. He's also an award-winning fiction writer. Saunders says this, the big kahuna of all moral questions, as far as I'm concerned, is ego. How do you correct the fundamental misperception that we are all born with, namely the idea that I am central. All the nasty stuff in this life comes out of that misunderstanding. So we have a choice. 
Do we do what McConaughey says you should do for you? Or do we do what Saunders says? And you should just get over yourself and do for others. Which worldview, which path will you choose? One leads to worldly fame. The other leads to heaven's blessings now and in the age to come. One pleases you, the other pleases God. One builds you up, the other builds up God as we daily die to our ego and live for his Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Men, God has a role in his kingdom, and he is seeking those who will follow him. And when we seek to follow those roles that he has laid out for us, we are, in essence, helping his will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Remember from the Lord's Prayer? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, okay? Um, that's what we're doing when we do that, when we humble ourselves and allow God to use us. But the question is, are you ready for this? Are you ready to step into his service, or do you want to remain in service of self? And by the way, if you are in service to yourself, you are really in the service of Satan. Because Satan loves to deceive us and think that we're doing all this for ourselves. When in reality, we're doing it for him. He's using us. He has control of us. As the Lord says in Scripture, we are in bondage to sin. And we are obeying our master when we have that attitude. Brothers and sisters, we have a decision to make every day. To pride fully, embrace our ego and live for ourselves. Or to die to ego and live for Christ. Remember, when you were immersed when you were baptized into Christ, you died to yourself. You were buried, and then you were raised to newness of life with him. But something happens sometimes. Sometimes we allow the old man, the old woman, to be resurrected, to start taking over again. That's the time when we need to be reminded of the role of humility the role of humbling ourselves before God to truly be lifted up. We all struggle with this. And the good news is that if we have been baptized into Christ, even when we fall, even when we struggle, even when we allow sin to control us again, we can come back to him. We can come back and still reclaim that power of the blood of Christ that we were touched with at baptism by repenting and resubmitting ourselves to obey the Lord. And remember this, too. You are not alone. You know, like the TV shows say, don't try this alone, you know, or at home. You know, uh, I, I'm, I'm adding the word alone. Don't try to walk your Christian life alone. That's not how the people in the Bible did it. They had folks around them, supporting them, helping them through it. You cannot do this alone. But you can do it with those that the Lord has already brought around you. That's why confessing your sins one to another is so important. Whether you do that publicly or whether you do that privately with a brother, a trusted brother and sister in Christ, it is so important because if you are not doing this, you are trying to do it alone and I can guarantee you, you will fail. God has given us this strength to draw on. Draw on it. You know, you look at those three men that I talked about, Jesus, David, and, and Moses, and, 
You know, Jesus, we're told that as he was being raised, that he grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men because he emptied himself and was obedient to God. Moses grew over the years to be more of a servant of God because he learned to empty himself and serve the Lord. David uh, grew to be so favored by God that God said, David, you will always have a descendant on the throne of Israel. And in Jesus Christ, he does, king forever, enthroned beside God in heaven because he was willing, David, to humble himself and follow him. We can grow as well if we will truly take up our cross and follow him. If you're here today and you'd like to learn more about this Christian way of life, uh, please come talk to me. Come talk with one of our elders. Um, we would love to share with you this way of life that has meant so much to us and helped us in so many ways. If you're ready to take that step and, and become a Christian to, or to even become more fully obedient to Christ, if you are trying to follow Christ but have not yet been baptized, we want to encourage you to consider it today. To consider truly dying to yourself. Being buried with him in the waters of baptism as he commanded. We are ready to assist you, whatever your need and whatever that is. If you feel led to do it today, come forward as we're about to sing a song. If you need to talk with us later, do that as well. Whatever you need, the invitation is yours. Won't you come as we stand and as we sing?